Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Right now, DTNS has one more patron than last month, and that patron is Beth Gilmore, who has supported Independent Tech News directly for about a day. Be like Beth. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, May 9th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young. And from somewhere, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. <laughs> Better than nowhere. Uh, we are going to talk about the uh, editorial that's sweeping the nation uh, <laughs> from one of Facebook's founders about saying Facebook should be broken up. Sounds a little bit like something a senator once proposed. We'll talk about all of that in a minute, but let's start with a few tech things you should know. Samsung co-CEO DJ Ko told the Korea Herald that the company has received the defect to the Galaxy Fold and plans to confirm a new launch date by the end of the week. This would reportedly involve improving the durability of the exposed areas of that hinge and reducing the gap between the screen's bezels and its protective layer. Germany is testing a system that uses overhead electrified cabling to deliver 670 volts of DC power to trucks, pantographs, or conductor rods. The Siemens-developed e-highway is designed to work with a custom Scania hybrid truck developed by VW if it's going less than 56 miles an hour. The test is set to run until 2022, and if successful, could expand more broadly. Oh, good. Trolleys, just like in San Francisco. They always come <laughs> off the tracks. Uh, Nintendo announced it will stream its next Nintendo Direct on June 11th at 12 Eastern, right at the open of E3, because that's 9 a.m. Pacific. Nintendo says it will focus on its game lineup for 2019. Wink, wink, which means don't expect a hardware announcement. All right, let's talk a little more about something Google's doing to help folks who don't have a credit card. Google has announced it's launching pending transactions, which will let Android users in emerging markets pay for apps and in-app purchases with cash, bank transfers, and direct debit. When downloading an app, users can select an alternative payment at checkout. This will generate a payment code, which then can be taken to nearby stores that accept Google Pay to make payment. Users will receive their purchase within 10 minutes and a proof of payment email. Refunds will only be available with Play Store credit. 
I, I love this idea uh, as far as making payments more accessible. It's not the easiest way to do it, but I imagine if, if you don't have a credit card and you want to buy apps, uh, you know, through the Play Store, which is a safer way to do it, uh, this this might be the way to do it. I mean, buying some some Google Pay gift card type things would work too, but this is essentially uh, opening up avenues for payments, uh, which in developing markets, which is where all the battle for market share is right now, is an important avenue to provide. It also shows you how valuable having the payment uh, of Google Pay, having the, the, the method be pioneered is very, very, very important for the future of these companies where you are dealing with a lot of little transactions constantly. Now, is Google uh, making sure that a store that offers Google Pay must accept this cash transaction? Could the store say, yeah, we don't do that? Uh, good. That is a good question. I, I did not see an answer to that here. Uh, I didn't either. I, I assume a store could say that, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to do that. Um, uh, but, but I don't know why they wouldn't. I would guess that, yeah, that that's part yeah, of it. Cause then you're in the store and you might buy something else. Yeah. And- right. Yeah. They want, they want to get you in there. Even if you're just buying angry birds. You know, I've got a friend, uh, she's she's in the U.S., who, for her own reasons, uh, doesn't have a bank account. She has an Android phone. She pays for the phone at her local, the store that she got the phone in cash when it's when the, when the bill is due. I mean, her life runs fairly well, considering she's pretty off the grid. This would be perfect for her, because up until now, anything that required payment... That was that was you know like a mobile uh, online payment or anything anything to do with her phone that wasn't just a free app that she could get you know by pressing a button she just mm-hmm. couldn't participate in so this would actually work for her wow I know that's no. fascinating I feel like all I want to do is talk about your friend's life this seems yeah well <laughs> way to live <laughs> that would be the last thing she'd want me to do but yeah I mean it's that these this people do this this is this is the way to live but at the same time you are shut out um, of of I don't know, a cool paid app that you'd be happy to spend $3 for. My mom does the same thing with iOS. She does not purchase anything that that isn't free. uh, And she will buy gift cards, uh, you know, iTunes gift cards, and give herself a little credit for some non-free stuff. But she does not link a credit card to her iTunes account for her iPhone. Well, good on you, Google. Yeah. Helping people uh, pay for apps. Yeah. If you, too, are hoarding money under your mattress, please email the show. (laughs) <laughs> Samsung announced a new image sensor, the ISOCELL Bright GW1. It has a 64 megapixel sensor with the same size pixels as its 48 megapixel sensor. This means it'll be bigger and also capture more light. It'll generate 16 megapixel images by merging four pixels. The 48 megapixel sensors generate 12 megapixel images exactly the same way. Pretty same anyway. The Bright GW1 will also be able to descramble the color filter for a full res 64 megapixel shot if you have enough light for it. And the part will go into mass production in the second half of the year, so it could show up in phones later this year. Yeah, uh, this is similar to what Sony already does, the the part where it can uh, it can break descramble the color filter. Sony does that with its 48 megapixel sensor right now. Uh, so Samsung kind of leapfrogged ahead of them by doing this not only with a 48 megapixel, but this new 64 megapixel sensor. Expect Sony to come out with a 64 megapixel sensor soon. And then by the end of the year, we'll have uh, we'll have a bunch of options for manufacturers to make these kind of cameras. Uh, there are some limits, though. Roger, I know you and you and Amos were talking about this in our prep meeting about how 
yes, it's a bigger image sensor, which means, or, or the pixels are the same size, which means that theoretically should still work, but there might be some limits to that. I mean, it depends on how they package it. And I mean, there are limits to what you can do in order to have these things uh, fit into various devices, right? I mean, ideally you would want as physically big uh, of a uh, of uh, of an area as you as you can possibly get away with, but you do have constraints on the the target package. It remains to be seen. I mean, w- once it's out and and people can test it, you know, we'll get a better idea. It definitely looks promising, but at the same time, I've seen similar attempts in the past end up with kind of okay results. But the the current forty eight megapixel sensors are pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, the you know. This is one of the caveats about digital imaging. More meg- megapixels doesn't necessarily mean an increase in image quality. Correct. It, so We get an email every time we mention megapixels on the show instructing us that. And that's why we're trying very hard to say it's also the same size pixels yeah. on a bigger sensor. So, yeah, hopefully uh, leaning into that a little. Because you're right. Uh, and, and hopefully this is a big enough sensor that it makes up to the fact that it has more of them on there. Uh, Nike is adding a feature to its app called Nike Fit that uses a computer vision uh, algorithm to scan your feet and then some other algorithms to recommend the right shoe size. In the listing for for shoes in its app, you'll have a new option to measure instead of just picking a size. When you do that, your camera opens up and instructs you to stand next to a wall. You point your phone's camera at your feet. You'll get a couple of circles appear. They're calling it augmented reality. It's really just two circles appear, but whatever. Two circles appear to help you get a level shot. And then once it's good, it scans your foot and recommends a size. You can save the scan to your profile then to make future size choices. And in fact, you can even give it to people if you go into a Nike store and say like, hey, this is my actual shoe size as scanned by the app. And that'll help them pick the right shoe because different lines of shoes even within nike sometimes come in varying sizes even though they're all called nine or eight or ten or whatever uh this is expected to arrive in the u.s nike app in july and in europe in august yeah my first reaction was like if you don't know your shoe size by now well it depends on how old you are of course but you know if i don't like i kind of know my shoe size but nike specifically I use for running. Uh, it's a good running shoe. It just fits me well, but only certain styles do. Not all Nike styles. Some of them are too wide in the heel, and my left foot is slightly bigger than my right foot. So there's, you know, there's a, there's some there there are some some variables here. So you know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I would also say that for, and I would suspect many of the listeners, if you are not a sneakerhead or uh, buying shoes for fashion purposes, if you have a very utilitarian relationship with shoe buying, then you probably don't do it all that often. And if you've uh, purchased a too big size shoe or maybe even a too small size shoe, then a lot of those decisions last for years and years and years and years and years. So uh, you could really just make two bad decisions and have a missized shoe for a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and and I know my shoe size. It's between 10 and 11 depending on the brand, depending on the type of shoe, and I always have to try them on just to find out is this one the one that's 10 and a half? Is this the one that's 11? Mm-hmm. Uh and so having this system for any uh, a thing. I don't really buy Nike shoes that often, but man, I would love to have this on the shoes that I do buy to say like, this is actually what my foot size is. Can you match it with the shoes that fit so I don't have to sit here trying on three different pairs every time I go into a store? You know, I actually, I, I, I kind of forgotten about this because I'm annoyed with myself, but I bought a really cute pair of Adidas shoes online. So I didn't try them on beforehand. 
And I'm a pretty standard size six, maybe 5.5 with a boot every once in a while, but um, they run big and didn't say anything about that on the page. And had Adidas had this app, because I don't have any shoes like this particular model, I would have used this and I would have known. So thanks a lot. Yeah, Adidas. All day I dream about you having that app so I can have more uh, <laughs> sure of my online buying. Justin, right. you're the only one who hasn't told us what your shoe size is. Oh, uh, I don't know. Ten? Yeah, pay up, man. And I think uh, maybe nine and a half. It depends. I I really need the app. <laughs> On an investor call, Redfin CEO Glenn Kelman acknowledged that the company has started the Redfin Direct program in Boston over the last six weeks, allowing home buyers to make an offer on real estate listings without an agent. Potential home buyers must complete a 55-question form to build a competitive offer and pay Redfin 1% of the purchase price, replacing agent fees that can be up to 2.5%. In the initial trial of the 122 listings with accepted offers, five were from Redfin Direct, with 12 rejecting a direct offer. Kelman stated that the program will expand to Virginia. Yeah, so the first thing that Roger and I, who have both uh, purchased homes, uh, thought of is, well, wait, but realtors do other things than just negotiate the price and accept the offer. There's 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 things involved with paperwork and getting your mortgage together and the escrow and titles and, and that sort of thing. And I wonder how these people handled that. Are these people who feel comfortable doing that themselves and getting the escrow company themselves? You, you, you want to know what? Tom, you're absolutely right. Travel agents do so much more than just booking your hotel. They also lay out your travel. Man, they let you know I, I, they immediately, I immediately jumped on the train of booking my own travel online. I'm not I'm I, I just I'm not saying you can't do this, but I, I'm wondering what other parts of that process are involved here because these are serious legal parts like title insurance and title transfer, sure. not like, oh, but the travel agent also books your hotel for you. I guess my larger point is that if they do get into this, yes, uh, uh, home buying is something that is monumental, that is very legally binding, that is oftentimes the largest financial decision that you will make, and it can be automated like everything else can. It, it, you you can, even if it's uh, uh, finding another human that does it uh, uh, a part and parcel, but at a cheaper rate, at a more... Uh, economic rate than you know giving a percentage of the home buying purchase over to somebody else uh, i think that you can handle a lot of this kind of stuff it, it, this to me it's just more legally complex than a lot of other things that most people do and that's why there's a 55 question form to build your competitive yeah. offer i get that it sounds like they're trying to cover some of that stuff i'm just curious how much of that is left. well yeah and so okay so say you're a real estate agent which i've always kind of thought maybe I'd end up doing if, I don't know, technology goes away. <laughs> so, you know, any day now, but uh, you're, you know, are you in trouble? Okay. This is a small rollout. Sure. Redfin is like, okay, well, people are kind of starting to use it and we're going to expand a little bit, but let's look a few years into the future. I mean, is being a real estate agent, something that, you know, is going to go away. And if, if I wanted to use Redfin direct to take advantage of the, you know, having a, a lower fee than what the agent would, would ask me to give. If you use an agent, if you work with an agent, it's sort of like going into a store and seeing what you like and then buying it on Amazon for cheaper later. It's like, now where, how do we get into that weird gray area? Because if an agent's mad at you, but you buy the house, I mean, do you really care? Yeah. 
I, again, I, I, I would be curious to see real estate agents uh, who listen to this show uh, uh, let us know how much they are afraid of these platforms effectively taking their jobs. Yeah, Absolutely. Or how much the platform it just doesn't worry them because it doesn't provide the right services. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Uh, let, let us know what you think because I'm with Justin on the longer term. Like all that stuff can be automated. Uh, I'm just not sure if 55 questions is enough to automate it. And I, I didn't get any uh, clarity out of this GeekWire story, particularly about that part of the process. So I'm just curious. Well, maybe you'll like this next story. French company Pop Show built an app on Snapchat's SnapKit platform called YOLO that lets users solicit anonymous questions. Oh, what could go wrong? You use YOLO to send an Ask Me Anything invitation to selected contacts or to the public on Snapchat. Questions are then sent through YOLO and then your answers show up on Snapchat. One week later, the company is as surprised as anyone that it is the number one most downloaded iPhone app in the US and the UK. YOLO has a warning at launch that says it has no tolerance for objectionable content or abusive users, and it contains flagging and blocking features as well. Child safety advocates are criticizing the app. Not surprising. Yeah, uh, there's there's the whole child safety uh, uh, part of this, which is like, this is being used by teens. This is most popular uh, by teens. And will it be used for bullying? How badly will that happen? So far, it doesn't seem like those complaints are very high, but it's also early days. The other aspect of this is, is this just the next Sarah Ha slash Yik Yak where it'll be popular for a period yeah. of time and then fade away as teens get bored with it? I mean, remember Form Spring? It was kind of before yeah, gosh, the mobile yeah. days, but wow. that was a that was a big deal. And then it got real nasty and it kind of went away. Everybody was like, well, okay, that was an interesting fad. I see this exact thing that YOLO does on, on Instagram stories. Um, and I don't know, some people like that kind of thing. But like, that's hey, not anonymous. That's the only difference, right? This, right, this is but anonymous. But sure. No, exactly. no, no, no. It's almost the exact same thing. Instagram stories, you can uh, solicit, like you ask your your people a question, right? And then they can respond back to you effectively. But you see who it is that's you, responding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The anonymity so, so is the, so the key here. Different, but yeah, it's, exactly. This is, it's, I would, I would almost bet my well i won't bet my life on anything but i would bet some money that yolo will fade away as its predecessors well, have cut, cut, contrarian opinion then does it mean something that this idea does keep popping up uh, we like we named like three different things yep. so like at right, some yeah. point is somebody gonna figure out how it stays right. around and then the question is did yolo do it by adding snapchat images building it on snapchat's new platform and putting in warnings and controls or is it still yet the magic formula yeah. to be determined. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right. Uh, in a, an op-ed in the New York Times, Facebook co-founder, as he's sometimes called, Chris Hughes, called on the U.S. government to break up Facebook. Let's dig into first who Chris Hughes is. He was one of the roommates in Harvard, along with Eduardo Saverin, Dustin Moskovitz, Andrew McCullum, who helped Zuckerberg get Facebook off the ground in 2004. If you're curious, he was played by Patrick Mappel in the movie The Social Network. Mappel also played PFC Dinkins in Mad Men. Uh, Dinkins is associated with the JFK conspiracy theory. But anyway, that's a side thing. Hughes left Facebook in 2007 to volunteer for the Obama campaign. So he's political. 
that's going to play into this. He was the publisher and editor-in-chief of The New Republic from 2012 to 2016. Most people think it was not terribly successful under his stewardship, and he's now a co-chair of the Economic Security Project. He has sold all of his stock in Facebook. That's important to know. He is not trying to hurt or drive it up. He sold it all in 2012. And Thursday, in an op-ed piece published in the New York Times, Hughes argued that the FTC and the Department of Justice should force Facebook to spin off Instagram and WhatsApp and bar Facebook from acquisitions for several years. Where have I heard that before? He writes... Mark is a good, kind person, but I'm angry that his focus on growth led him to sacrifice security and civility for clicks. And I'm worried that Mark has surrounded himself with a team that reinforces his beliefs instead of challenging them. He goes on to say Mark alone can decide how to configure Facebook's algorithms to determine what people see in their news feeds, what privacy settings they can use, and even which messages get delivered. When it hasn't acquired its way to dominance, Facebook has used its monopoly position to shut out competing companies or has copied their technology. Now, he does talk about the wider philosophy of whether companies are getting too big these days in the U.S. And he also calls for a government agency to regulate privacy and create guidelines for acceptable speech on social media. But Justin, you seem to have something to say here. Well, uh, you, you've kind of hinted at it twice, uh, and, and that was exactly my reaction in reading the op-ed is, man, this seems familiar. This seems a lot like Elizabeth Warren's uh, stated plan, not only to break up Facebook, but also Amazon and Google. Uh, I then did a little digging, and indeed, Hughes has given the uh, maximum allowable donation to Elizabeth Warren's current presidential campaign in February. That is $2,800 months after he gave $10,400 to her joint fundraising committee. He has also given uh, $2,700 to Mayor Pete Buttigieg, the South Bend mayor, and $250 to the leader of the Yang gang, Andrew Yang, uh, who are also running for president in the Democratic primary. I don't I think, I mean, upon realizing that this this seems to me like a campaign ad, that's what it reads like to me. And I have the same feelings about it, although undoubtedly this is a more personal tale than Elizabeth Warren making a policy proposal. But I have the same feelings about it that I did uh, her policy proposal, which is I don't exactly know what this achieves. Even if you are to spin off WhatsApp and uh, uh, Instagram, I don't know how viable WhatsApp and Instagram are as other companies, nor do I think that it necessarily gets to the heart of why we have problems with Facebook, which is the fact that they are an ad sales company and they continue to funnel everybody in to get maximum usage out of them so they can sell ads against them. If this proposal was to spin off Facebook's ad sales, uh, I, I think that you would be driving more to the uh, uh, more, more to the heart of, of controlling their their instincts but i don't think that facebook uh, of snapping up companies and spinning off the ones that they have really does much yeah i I, we should mention facebook's response because former liberal democrat party leader in the uk and one-time deputy prime minister of the uk who is now the facebook vp of global affairs nicholas clegg said facebook accepts that with success comes accountability, but you don't enforce accountability by calling for the breakup of a successful American company. Accountability of tech companies can only be achieved through the painstaking introduction of new rules for the internet. 
So really pushing that Zuckerberg op-ed that he wrote for the Washington Post of, hey, now that we're big enough that we can survive, please come regulate our competition out of, I'm sorry, that's not what he said. He said, please regulate the internet. Uh, this, is, this is what we need. We need your help, government. And that, so that's the party line. Yes, Fun and I think it was it was not uh, uh, not not a a mistake or, or not 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 a, a coincidence that they got somebody that definitely isn't connected to Mark Zuckerberg, so it didn't seem like this was a personal thing between Zuckerberg and Hughes. I mean, what's happened to Instagram being independent companies on the surface? It's like. Well, a lot of people don't even know Facebook owns them anyway. They'll just keep chugging along. But it all depends on who runs those companies, right? If Facebook was gotten broken up, like, is the rule then that nobody who's ever worked at Facebook can be the CEO of either of these companies or in some sort of management role or on the board? There are, there are like you said, Justin, I mean, there are a lot of questions of what what would change unless it was really stringent rules. Yeah. Could, could, could Instagram not contract with Facebook to sell their ads? Because that's effectively the relationship that they have now. I mean, obviously, people that are employed by Facebook are running Instagram, and the founders for both of those companies have, uh, you know, since left because they didn't uh, uh, feel that that matched with their initial vision. But that is the relationship that the relationship that matters right now is that Facebook owns these companies because they are going to put ads in them. They are going to continue to bolster how they make money, which is selling advertisements. I mean, I think this is why I think that you're right. This is either a political ad or an audition for somebody who likes to work on campaigns to say, hey, Beth, look what I can do. Uh, I, this this is an easy thing to get people to understand. Let's break up Facebook. You're all mad at Facebook, right? Right? Am I right? Great. Let's knock them apart into those three pieces, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook. Uh, but Mike Mazdick wrote a really detailed breakdown of how all of the problems that Hughes identifies in his op-ed aren't necessarily solved by taking Instagram and WhatsApp away from Facebook. Facebook would still have Zuckerberg in charge. Zuckerberg would still be in charge of the newsfeed. He would still be in charge of your privacy controls. He would still be in charge of marketing data to third-party people. Uh, Facebook would still see all the things. All the problems with Facebook aren't fixed by getting rid of Instagram and WhatsApp. Now, granted, it would reduce the income. It would could potentially provide some competitors. But even before Facebook owned them, Instagram and WhatsApp weren't particularly competitors with Facebook. And yeah. WhatsApp has plenty of competitors right now and is also end-to-end -end encrypted. So it's not contributing to the problem of Facebook spying on you. And it's the more competitive aspect of the business. Uh, I think you have to limit what Facebook can do with its market position if you wanted to go after them at all. Breaking them up into three companies doesn't seem to solve the problem. No. how It is, however, a very good campaign thing because, like you mentioned, technological questions, business, like monopoly questions are complicated. The solutions take forever and you need to justify them repeatedly. This is a process that moves glacially. However, you... That's hard to say to a voter. That, that's hard to get across in a soundbite. What's easy is, you know, these things, you know, these things, we're going to separate them. You know, we, we are, we're going to break them up. That's it, it, it's just leveraging the brand names uh, of these companies uh, you know, to make a larger point, which is that tech has gone out of control. And there is a larger Hughes makes a larger philosophical idea that uh, America has strayed too far away from its roots of uh, uh, having a firmer hand in breaking up monopolies and that we should return to that, which is 
you know, that that's that's an intellectual line of thought that he's allowed to have. But here we are. Well, you know who else is intellectual? Everyone who participates in our subreddit. They're even competitive with each other because you never know who's going to rise to the top. Unless it's a really good story. You can submit your own and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. We also like your emails. We do. We do. Almost 100% of the time, it's a wonderful email. Tyler wrote on DTNS number 3526, you were discussing the reduction in Google Assistant AI model sizes. You discussed the improvement in latency and commented that this could allow for greater security. They did, in fact, address this during I.O. They discussed the use of federated learning to enhance security. An excerpt from a Google blog post says as follows. It works like this. Your device downloads the current model, improves it by learning from data on your phone, and then summarizes the changes as a small focused update. Only this update to the model is sent to the cloud using encrypted communication, where it's immediately averaged with other user updates to improve the shared model. All the training data remains on your device and no individual updates are stored in the cloud. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tyler. I I wish Google had hit that a little more in its keynote. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm glad that, that they have that there and it's very well explained. It's very similar to the way Apple was explaining their model as well. And I'm glad to see Google moving to that. So really appreciate, uh, sending along that link, Tyler, you're the best. We also got, uh, uh, some feedback about our discussion of neighborhoods and apps like Nextdoor and Amazon's neighbors, upcoming neighbors. Um, Kimberly, the Texas teacher wrote in and really great email. We don't have time to read it, um, in full, but she made some good points about some issues that she's had where she lives, which is in Texas. And one of them was that uh, a neighbor had incorrectly identified a, a common neighbor of theirs as a sex offender because she'd found the address on an outdated list somewhere. And the person who lived there ended up getting harassed by neighbors who incorrectly thought that she was the person. So that's not good. You know, a little bit of that herd mentality that that spread really quickly. Another example she used was that she walks her dog a lot and a neighbor uh, started getting suspicious. Like this woman is walking by my house way too often. She's doing something nefarious here. And some other neighbors had seen that post on the app that everybody was involved with and then ended up coming back to Kimberly and saying, we're just saying this stuff about you. So you can see where this does go haywire sometimes, where people are, they're not necessarily trying to ruin anybody's day, but they're they are spreading false information too quickly. On the other side, uh, I was real hard on the Ring uh, app, but Cappy wrote in to say that uh, the, that some some police arrests have been made based on information from Ring in his neighborhood, and, and few, including a couple break-ins to his car. So there's there's positive on that side of the ledger too. Thanks to everybody uh, who wrote in with their experiences on this. Uh, it's a it's a nuanced issue, as I hope we got across yesterday when we talked about it. And thanks also to Justin Robert Young, nuanced or not. We love you every Thursday, whenever we can have you, and let folks know where they can keep up with your work. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be writing a little bit more about this op-ed and the political ramifications of it on my newsletter, the free political newsletter that you can get at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Head on over there right now, sign up. By the way, thank you. I I shouted out last week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. We were looking for our 17, to break the 1776 barrier, and we did it in like minutes. So I'm, I'm uh, excited. We are now on to the, the, the year 2000 barrier. So uh, if you want to join the team, head on over freepoliticalnewsletter.com. And this is the best time to become a DTNS member that I could think of in a long time. Uh, right now, if you're an associate producer or level or up, you have a column from Roger. If you're like, I need more Roger opinion in my life. He's got a column of the things he liked out of Google IO up there right now. Coming soon within the next day, you're going to get Live with it. A report on the job headphones by Sarah Lane. A very detailed report is coming your way. Uh, I've got an editor's desk where I break down an article about hacks to MRI and CT scanners uh, and how well that's performed. That's coming to the associate producer level. And then early access to my interview this weekend about RFID and what you really need to be worried about and what you don't. So you got to get all this stuff, folks. Patreon.com slash DTNS. If you've got feedback, direct that feedback to feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you'd like to join us live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC, put it on your calendar and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Len Peralta and Patrick Norton. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. 
it'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.